0: of uh, where their emotional balance has been a little off kilter at some point in their sobriety uh, and then what they did to apply the steps, the program in their life to kind of balance back out. Um, Don't know a whole lot about balance. (laughs) You know, balance seems to be like this for me anyways. That is the balance. Uh, But I'm interested in hearing what my friends are going to share after they're each going to share Um, their experience, strength, and hope on that particular topic for a few minutes and then after that we'll open it up uh, for questions from you guys. And Jim's going to start us off. Thank you,
1: Jim. Good morning. I'm Jim Jay and I'm an alcoholic. Uh, My sobriety date is 12-30-2003. My sponsor is uh, Harold M., and I'm a member of the Spirit of Recovery group of Alcoholics Anonymous that meets at 6 o'clock at the Holy Spirit Church on Monday and Friday. Isn't it wonderful to be here on a, a Saturday morning, not hungover, not drunk, and, uh, and awake, I guess. Most of us are awake. I'm really grateful. Um, um, I think Shara may have asked me to speak because she heard about my emotional instability and she thought I'd be a good example of, uh, of what not to do. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's the way I took it anyway. Um, um, and I'm glad my Al-Anon is sitting here in front of me because she will attest to a lot of these stories I'm going to tell she had to live them along with me (laughs) um but um I want to express gratitude to Al-Anon for letting us have this uh panel group um you know I was thinking on the way up here AA saved my life but Al-Anon saved my marriage but the fact of the matter is is that it's not that clean clear cut it took what it took and um you know I had uh My wife and I, my my black belt Al-Anon, and I'll tell you a story about that in just a minute, but uh, um, my black belt Al-Anon and I were married for four years and she was uh, contacting divorce lawyers and uh, we were getting ready to be divorced. And uh, when I first met her and started dating her, people that knew both of us said, Pixie's a wonderful person. If you can't get along with her, you can't get along with anybody, and four years later, we're looking at getting a divorce, and that was because of the disease of alcoholism. Um, you know, the other thing I want to say is, um, by rights, they're, they're expecting to have 200 people at this conference, and by rights, they they ought to have six times that many because Uh, They say, on average, an alcoholic's disease impacts six other people, and yet, uh, for whatever reason, Al-Anon roles are a lot smaller than the AA roles. The meetings are generally smaller. But um, I haven't figured that out, but by rights, this ought to be a lot larger than it is. Um, In meetings sometimes, because uh, my... My black belt Al-Anon influences my uh, sobriety so much. In meetings, I quote her oftentimes, and I'll call her my black belt Al-Anon. I hope it doesn't hurt her feelings, but um, she lives this program. She, she works her program. I work my program, and we're both spiritually growing, and that has made all the difference. This is the best life I've ever had, and, it's the, and, and I never knew how to have a relationship with anyone before I, I got sober and was in AA. You know, um, they say that alcoholics don't have relationships, we take hostages. And uh, I think that's true. I never knew how to have a healthy relationship with anyone and especially didn't know how to have a healthy relationship with my God. Um, now, there's a friend of mine uh, who uh, used to be involved in karate. And I, for years, I had referred to my, my wife as a black belt Al-Anon, and he thought she was really a black belt. <laughs> um, but, uh, but she's not. She's just black, she is a black belt Al-Anon. So um, they say, and I, I don't know who they is, but I've read that when we start drinking, our emotional growth ceases. So basically, when I came, walked into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, I had the emotional tool set of a 15-year-old. I was jealous. I was petty. Um, I was I was very childish. Um, and thank, with thanks to God and the AA program, uh, I have... Um, I think I have a fairly normal emotional reaction to things now. I still have my times, and I've got to say, and coming back to why Shara chose me, if if our um, sobriety was based on emotional sobriety, I would have a whole basket full of uh, desire chips. One of our uh, AA speakers will share later, and I believe I have the number right, He had to get 53 desire chips before he was able to get a year's total in sobriety. And um, that's the most I've ever heard of anybody. But I don't know if I've had 53 emotional uh, meltdowns, but I bet I have. And um, uh, some of them I'll sort of share with you. Um, My first sponsor was Ron Ray. I don't know, uh, he's, been, he's been deceased for over 10 years now, and a lot of people may not remember him, but he had a very gruff exterior. He had a huge heart and was the most kind and loving person I've ever met, but he had a gruff exterior and he didn't, he didn't, um, he, he didn't uh, entertain fools lightly. Uh, if I said something that was way off base, he pointed it out to me, and sometimes at the time it didn't seem so kind <laughs> um, a little bit of background about about me and my wife is we were involved in a hobby uh, called horseback field trials. It involves bird dogs it involves riding horses to show those bird dogs and um, uh, it's a pretty pretty tough, rough sport. You have to get up early, drive a long way, compete, uh, all that stuff. And it was, it was uh, you know, the thing about it was, was uh, it also gave me an opportunity to drink whenever I wanted to. One of my most favorite things was to get drunk and ride horses. Um, there's just something soothing about being um, on horseback about half lit. And um, but we had horses eat hay <laughs> among other things, and we we have now. We're blessed to have a hay barn where we can put our hay, and it doesn't get wet. But for a few years, we um, kept our round bales of hay outside, and um, uh, I was putting out a roll of hay for her, and she was down there, and this is what, this is what I perceived. I could just hear her going like this. And um, so, of course, I went back at her, and um, finally, I got off the tractor, left the tractor running, and I don't even know where I went, but I went somewhere, and in the meantime, she got in her truck and left. She went to her Al Anon sponsor's house. Well, I was. When I. When I. One of my troubles is anger. And. um, And when I get angry, I get hot. And I sweat. And I have a biological response. And so I got in the shower trying to cool myself off. And. um, this was before, well, we probably had cell phones, but we still had an answering machine. You know, the old kinds, you, don't, you, you turn the thing and you listen to it. And so uh, when I got out, I saw the light blinking. So um, it was Ron. Ron said, Jim, if you're there, pick up the phone. Long pause, said, Jim, pick up the phone long pause then finally damn it Jim pick up the phone <laughs> I think he said maybe the, the damn phone but uh, anyway she had called my sponsor and uh, Ron was calling me back and that's one of the one of the episodes of um, uh, of a meltdown and I swore to him that I hadn't said anything bad uh, but it, it took me another sponsor to realize. You know, one time I went to Harold and I said to him, we had a fight, and I said, and I said this, this, and this, and she said that, that, and that, and and I said I don't think I said anything wrong, and he said, well, what about your tone? And uh, you know, that's the other thing, along with that biological response of getting hot and sweating and stuff. I also get. Confrontational and aggressive. I'm aggressive in my tone. Another time, um, we were raising horses at that time, and Pixie was was taking one of her mares to have her bred, and we got into it. And um, I think I ran through the person who uh, whose stallion we were breeding. I ran through her her flower garden or flower bed. Uh, I come home and, um, there was a truck that pulled out in front of me and I slammed on the brakes and that, that trailer is a 26 foot horse trailer shoved my, you know, and so I'm cursing the whole way home. And, and I, and one of the things I was cursing about was that I couldn't have a drink. I really needed a drink and I couldn't have it. I had worked the first step and I knew I couldn't have it, but I really needed it at that point. Um, So, um, that was about 18 months of sobriety at that point, and I did everything but drink. I just didn't drink. And so, um, you know, for for us alcoholics, to drink is to die. But for me, if I knew I'd take a drink and drop over right then, it might be worth it. But I know before I did that, I would get miserable. I would go back to being the person I was. Um, Got a couple more. I don't want to take up too much time of the other speakers, but I've got a couple more examples. There's one time um, that I was taking a sponsee to uh, uh, far Western Kentucky, and we were just about there, and I hit uh, pooled water on the interstate and uh, wreck my truck. Well, I had standard insurance. I had $100,000 worth of personal liability, um, but he sustained a broken back and it, you know, the way healthcare is now, $100,000 doesn't go anywhere. So he sued me and so here I am, we're gonna lose our house, we're gonna lose our farm they're going to take everything away from us. And all I was doing was trying to help him. And people were trying to tell me, you know, no, it won't come to that. It won't come to that and all that kind of stuff. But yet here I was projecting and I went a couple weeks and I was really depressed. But because of the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous and the things I had learned, I slowly came out of it and I turned it over to God. And uh, after a couple years, he dropped the suit um, did, I don't know if you knew this, but trucks have black boxes in them, I, you know, that record. And I wasn't speeding. I wasn't anything. I just hit water, and, it, you know, it was just happened. And uh, so I guess they decided they couldn't prove that I did anything wrong, so they dropped the suit. But that was a rough time for me. Um, another time, and, and most all these things involve anger there's a prominent Baptist church here that used to let us have meetings there and um, uh, my home group was meeting there at that time and uh, they would arbitrarily without warning change the meeting room without giving us any heads up and so I confronted the um, I confronted the pastor that you know, not the big pastor, but the guy that was in charge of of allowing us to have a meeting, I said, do you treat all of your ministries like you treat AA? And, of course, it deteriorated from that. And um, anyway, I went into my meeting, and I was, you know, I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm an alcoholic. I don't have to kneel before no man and all that All that stuff that says in the big book that justifies us being mad. And, you know, Harold showed up at that meeting, and he knew I was had my panties in a wad, so to speak. <laughs> and he took me aside, and the first thing he said, you know, you're going to have to make amends. And the first thing that went through my mind was, like, hell, I will. But... He said, no, you're gonna have to make amends. And sure enough, that minister was downstairs when we went down out of the, and I made amends. And it's, you know, one of the things Ron used to tell me is uh, if you're gonna have to eat crow, it's a whole lot better to eat it while it's still warm. (laughs) So I made my amends. Um, But anyway, this is just a few selected things. As I say, uh, don't do as I don't do as I do. Do as I say. Uh, if you just don't drink, you've got a shot. Uh, I I've had so many emotional ups and downs. I have emotionally grown. I believe. I think I'm no longer a 15 year old emotional boy. I think I hope I'm a man standing before you today, and all that is due to my God and AA and Al-Anon. Uh, I want to share a little bit about. The gentleman's gonna follow me, and I don't mean to steal his thunder, but I just want. I was talking about him just the other day. Um, I went to meetings with Rink for a long time, and Rink would not join in in the uh, uh, Serenity Prayer. When we would do the Lord's Prayer at the end of the uh, meeting, he would leave. He openly said in the meeting, I don't believe in God. He had 19 years of sobriety and still was not believing in God. But I'll tell you something today, and I'll let him expand on it a little bit more. I hope, I hope I'm being truthful to him. Um, he believes in God today. You know, I, I was telling a sponsee about him, and I hope he don't mind, about an example, we have the God who created the universe. He is billions of years old. Time means nothing to God. God is beyond time, space, and, 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 and all that stuff that we have to adhere to. He had, he had uh, rank 19 years. 19 years is just a blink for God, and he, he wore him down. And so I am proud to call Rink my friend, and God will not give up on you as long as you're willing. Thank you all for listening to me.
2: Thanks for inviting me. Uh, I'm an alcoholic named Rink, Um, and Jim's lead. There was so much uh, truth behind uh, what he was saying. Uh, I'd like to start off, uh, my sobriety date is uh, June 28, 1992. Uh, June of this year, I picked up my 30-year token uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous, and i uh, truly, truly grateful for that. We hear the word grateful a lot, gratitude. Uh, I've always liked to save that word for the really big things in my life. And I like to use the word thankfulness, and I'm thankful for this. It's just a a little preference that I've had. Um, I'll start with this. A um, a drunk alcoholic walks into a bar. He looks up over the bar, and there's a huge banner that says, All you can drink, grand opening. All you can drink, $1. Drunk alcoholic staggers over the bar, looks up at the bartender, and says, Let me have $2 worth. Uh, It's kind of uh, uh, where I started in my life. Uh, I had a lot of, uh, I'm born and raised here in Bowling Green. I'm the son of an alcoholic, uh, the grandson of an alcoholic, the brother of an alcoholic, six cousins of an alcoholic. So we've got real strong hearts. Cancers are treatable, but man, we're a bunch of damn drunks in my family. So I come by natural. Uh, I had a lot of, lot of fun times when I was drinking, uh, pre-alcoholic drinking. I, I, I want to I clarify that. Uh, bellying up to the bar, camaraderie with friends. Uh, I was able to uh, uh, share a pitcher of beer at Pizza Hut, drinking, uh, you know, drinking two, maybe two mugs with a pizza. On and on, I could go weeks without drinking. Somewhere along this journey. I crossed over a line, uh, not into super chronic alcoholism, but as our book describes an obsession that led with a compulsion. And our book calls it a a phenomenon of craving once I started drinking, started consuming alcohol. Uh, With all that being said, uh, it led me to a point to where I could not control my intake of alcohol. Uh, there was a lot of fear based before I started drinking, but I was incapable of not popping the top, putting the physical substance of alcohol in my, into my body. Um, you know, when it comes to emotional sobriety today, uh, even with over 30 years uh, sober, I still have my issues. Uh, it's more of a, uh, uh, an ebb and flow with life today. I want to go back uh, seven years. Uh, I'm a widower with no children. Uh, I met my wife in the fellowship. I'm really proud of this. As long as I've been around the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, I've dated one woman, and I married her. Which is, I get a gold star and a pat on the back for that. (laughs) I've seen, this is just my experience, more alcoholics relapse through toxic relationships than anything else. And that's just my humble opinion and my experience that I've had since I've been sober. Uh, Jim talked a lot about uh, my uh, long and arduous journey toward the sunlight of the Spirit. I was never an atheist. I was your classic agnostic. If I was from Missouri, you would have to show me, but I'm from the bluegrass state. I saw God working every day. I could not visualize, I could not conceptualize, I could not feel God's grace and mercy in my own life. As it says in some of our readings, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, as obviously mine was a snail's pace. But I'm still here to this day, standing in front of each and every one of y'all, a sober alcoholic. I always like to phrase it as, I belong to one of the world's most unique minorities, you know, old school drunk that hadn't had a drink in over 30 years. God did for me what I could not do for myself, even though I could not even recognize it for decades. Which makes my journey toward God's grace and mercy even that more special for me today. I've never been to an Al-Anon meeting, so I guess this is as close as I'm ever going to get. <laughs> Uh, I want to go back, uh, you know, it talks about how it works, what it used to be like, what happened, and what it's like now. I want to concentrate more on what it's like now in my life. Uh, With the death of my wife, I waited until I was 42 years old to get married. I wanted to sow all my wild oats. Uh, I met this young lady. uh, We hit it off really well. We dated for two years, and then we were married. She was a uh, college professor uh, at the University of Florida, where I was living at the time. Uh, We transferred back here to Bowling Green, and she took an associate professorship at uh, Western Kentucky University, where her mother was provost. Uh, My wife died from anorexia. Uh, She was an alcoholic, and she had a severe eating disorder. The day she died, she weighed 82 pounds. The past, uh, the last two years of her life was the most uh, emotional turmoil, uh, chaos, just total confusion in my own personal life. I learned the true meaning of powerlessness. I tried everywhere in the world to help to uh, rationalize, justify situations that she was putting herself through. Uh, I learned a lot through all of that. One thing I did learn that when I leaned on God, he propped me up and he helped me through each and every one of these uh, uh, issues, situations uh, that, that I've gone through in my life. Uh, I've lost my mother. I lost my father 40 years ago. My brother, who was a uh, recovering alcoholic, uh, committed suicide at 39 years of continuous sobriety along with my sister-in-law. They did a suicide pact together in Louisville. Uh, I get hit in about a three-year period with all these deaths. Uh, my brother was basically my mentor, and uh, I loved him dearly. He was nine years older than me, and growing up, he was pretty much out of the house as I was reaching you know, my formative years in my life. He was already off to college. Uh, I've always thought of myself as being really stoic and uh being a kind of a a, this monolithic type of a pillar of an individual because I don't cry and I don't cry at funerals and I didn't cry when my wife died and now y'all ask me why I, I do not know it's just who I am this DNA this mass of chromosomes and It's just how I've handled things. And I've questioned that basically my entire adult life. Why can't I feel like someone else? Why can't I show emotions like other people? Uh, When Jim was talking when I was 19 years sober, I was at my wit's end. I totally plateaued out. I was emotionally, uh, spiritually, and almost physically bankrupt. I was getting ready to drink again. Uh, I asked my sponsor, the late Jerry Hampton, who's no longer with us, to take me under his wing, his tutelage, his guidance, and everything that I did need at that time in my life. And Jerry started me uh, Recovery Alcoholics 101. I went back to the first step. I sat down with him. He asked me my definition of powerlessness. He He asked me my definition of unmanageability in my life. I gave him the kind of pat answers, and he said, that wasn't good enough. I want to know how you emotionally feel about the word powerlessness. I immediately uh, related back to uh, uh, the last six months of uh, my wife's life and where I was at at that time. And I truly got a new, clear definition of the word powerlessness in my own life. Having gone through all that and come out on the other side, I think a stronger individual, a stronger man, uh, a more deep-rooted uh, a sense of, uh, of my existence here today. You know, we all ask ourselves, you know, why am I here? You know, what's my purpose on planet Earth? You know, and being a recovering alcoholic, I've been able to carry a message, uh, as we call 12-step work, uh, through my own uh, experiences, past, uh, present, and hopefully future. Um, you know, I had a, uh, a niece uh, in the same time period that had just uh, picked up her two-year uh, coin, token, key tag, in Narcotics Anonymous. She was lived in Indianapolis, she was out jogging one day, and she was run over by a box truck in downtown Indianapolis and killed instantly. So I've got this continuation of, uh, of death in my family. I was asked to participate at her funeral, and then one of the first times in my life I was able to cry. I was asked to read uh, a prayer in front of the congregation at the Catholic Church, St. Agnes in uh, Louisville, and I was actually able to shed some tears. So that's progress for me. And uh, I don't know if there's people in the audience that Feel like I do and process like I do these tragic things in their lives. You know, but through these twelve steps our twelve traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous, I've been able to kind of uh, manifest a, a a new persona and a new person, a a, a new uh, emotional well being. Uh, you know, since I have been sober, and I am truly, truly grateful, grateful for that. <laughs> You know, with uh, Jerry Hampton's help, uh, I was able to write the ship. Uh, you know, I spent four years in the Navy, and uh, we always used the expression, a ship coming out of a storm in the calmer waters. And that was at 19 years sober. Um, you know, where I am today, I've been at my present job now for over 22 years. Uh, I'm only 39 years, I work an honest program, I'm only 39 years old, you know, that's B.S. (laughs) I'll be be 65 this year, and um, I'm getting ready to uh, retire. Uh, I, I would like to work to full retirement age, which will give me about another year and a few months. Uh, Financially, I am financially secure today through hard work, dedication, and no inheritance. (laughs) I'm real proud of that. Uh, I've been able to, I guess, you know, put my boots on and uh, and get up in the morning and go to work. Uh, My father, who I lost over 40 years ago, uh, I am slowly morphing into him. Uh, My thinking, uh, I'm getting skinnier. My dad was a rail. As I get older, I'm getting skinnier, and I'm starting more and more to look like him uh, through pictures that I have, which is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing with me today. You know, my emotional well-being is better than it was just ten minutes ago before I started uh, speaking to each and every one of y'all. You know, I read once that number one phobia on planet Earth is fear of public speaking. And I've really never had problems with that. I know people that are paralyzed, mortified to get up and try. I think that when I do speak, whether I'm in a meeting or in front of a small group like this, that uh, it gives me uh, a a shot. Uh, I, I consider it the proper use of the ego trying to carry a message. I think there's nothing wrong with the proper use of the ego, the proper use of self-will, which I have learned through multiple decades of recovery and through sobriety. Uh, I exercise these things daily in my life. I also have learned to trust this process. I am in tune when my ego is unchecked, when my self-will, my self-esteem, it goes unchecked. It usually rears a, uh, an ugly head and the defects of characters and the shortcomings start falling like dominoes. As Jim uh, described earlier, I have steps 10, 11, and 12 to rectify those situations or issues, whichever confront me on any given day. I was able to use the 10th step about three weeks ago when I was not even in the wrong. I'll go ahead and say that. <laughs> True. Uh, it was with another alcoholic. who was having a bad day, and, uh, you know, like uh, we displace our aggression. When you have a bad day at work, we come home and kick the dog. Well, I was his dog that day, and uh, I let him go. He went on about a two-minute rant, and I stopped him, and I immediately said, if I've done anything to offend you, I sincerely apologize. He stopped in his tracks. He realized what was going on in his own world, how his world affected me and uh i used it like a switchblade on him (laughs) and he uh the system power of the program he uh uh, about an hour later i saw him he came over apologized said he was having just a real bad day and uh, you know this is the way this kind of stuff works i didn't mean to gloat but it feels kind of good inside sometimes (laughs) I've always uh, lived in the real world. And um, I tell newcomers when they come in, you know, you've got a snowball's chance in hell staying sober for one year. Fact. It's been my experience. I've seen thousands come through the doors of our clubhouse. I've watched thousands cannot make it. It's sad, but it's a simple fact of life. The people who do make it are the ones that come in and they get busy, and they dig in. They get a sponsor. They start working the steps. They, they start at step one through the two, un, under the guidance of their sponsor. They get busy. They pick up their 30-, 60-, 90-day tokens. Uh, I watch them start chairing meetings. I watch them get active uh, in, our, in our fellowship. They seem to be the ones who can make it. And, uh, you know, as Harold M. always says, as Jim says, that I am not drunk-proof. The longer I stay sober, I I concur with Harold. I'm closer to a drink than I was 30-something years ago. I truly, truly believe that. Am I going to drink today through God's grace and mercy? Probably not. That's the way I like to look at it, and that's the way that I like to think about things today. I've got some more jokes, but they're probably not appropriate for uh, this crowd here today. Uh, You know, uh, it says in our book that we're not a glum lot. It also goes on to say, if newcomers could see no joy in our existence, why would they want it? My favorite sentence in our big book is, what used to be a hunch or the occasional inspiration has now become a working part of the mind. It's like I know what to do today before chaos, turmoil, Uh, emotional instability hits me. It's really, really uncanny, uh, this journey, uh, the lengths uh, of this journey that I've been. I've been sober over half my life, you know. And I am truly, truly thankful and grateful for that. You know, Chapter 4, We Agnostics, it brought me around as I read it again uh, with, uh, with, with the late Jerry Hampton. Words in there like faith of a mustard seed started jumping out at me. There was another sentence in there that says, God does not create too hard of terms for those who seek him. It goes on to tell me that no matter how minute, how small my conception of a God of my understanding is, is enough to make that approach to God. I've always liked to uh, use the, uh, the symbolism of, of, uh, of a dark room and a door cracking, and that light coming through that little crevice of that door. That's all that I needed to make the approach to God today. And I'm truly, truly grateful to have God in my life today. Uh, I think I've taken up enough time. And uh, if you're having problems spiritually, I'll be laying hands on people out in the parking lot. <laughs> uh, t- uh, tw- $20 a head. <laughs> God bless. Thank y'all very much.
0: Good morning, everyone. I'm an alcoholic, Sheila. Uh, Sheila, thank you for uh, inviting me here. Uh, this is not one of the things that I do the best, um, but Alcoholic Anonymous has taught me to share my experience, strength, and hope, and. Uh, That's what I try to do on a day-to-day basis. Uh, I have a sobriety date of January the 5th, 2011. I have a sponsor, Johnny, and uh, I get the privilege of having a lot of uh, sponsees in my life on a day-to-day basis, and they keep me in check, and uh, they read the book with me, and and it's just a real blessing in my life. And uh, it's just uh, Alcoholic Anonymous saved my life, Um, it's kind of neat because we had a last uh, minute with the readers and uh, the young lady doesn't even know this yet but um, uh, the one that read how it works uh, I had to get my first introductory into Al-Anon sponsored her for five years and uh, she walked away from us and uh, my emotions could not handle it and I walked into Alcoholic Anonymous and I got some hope from you all and uh i kind of think that's probably when my emotional sobriety started taking some stands in my life and uh and i have some other things but um when i got here to alcoholic anonymous i had a also a full line of uh alcoholics and drug addicts uh all in my immediate not in my home in my home i was the drunk and uh I was the troublemaker. I was the everything and uh uh I think at an early age, I liked the attention from all that negativity, and I wrote it for a long time and uh <clears throat> um, I know Mother tried to uh take me yeah she tried to protect me, keep me away from everything, but you know we manipulate and we always find ways to get out. Uh, rope ladders in my upstairs window, you know, all that stuff we did, and I did it as as I pleased. And uh, um, So I got to Alcoholic Anonymous, and uh, I loved when you all talked about the fundamental God that's within all of us because when I got here, um, due to mm-hmm. some happenings that was not of my fault but also due to the guilt of my faults, Um, I was really angry that God didn't fulfill my wish list and uh, because I only, when I, a lot of times I use my prayer life as uh, when I was in trouble. You know, help me this time, I'll do it next time. Uh, And uh, by all means, that has changed a lot. And um, putting myself in many places, uh, I love to go uh, to bars with music and I picked three husbands that Uh, basically met in bars or round bars and uh, uh, a lot of abuse there. So when uh, he was talking about his black belt Al-Anon lady, uh, I finally decided late in life that if I got some kind of uh, protection to uh, protect myself, that uh, I wouldn't be treated this way. And I became a black belt, and I became whipping some bottoms but i remember being in front of the judge and the judge saying the next time you're in in my courtroom i will charge you with a concealed deadly weapon with your hands and that got real freaky (laughs) so uh that's just a little bit of history of uh self-reliance and uh uh control and fixing things and uh i think most of us get here and master of all of that and uh The bottom line was I was totally powerless. Uh, I was not using uh, any of my faith. And um, so um, I walked into Alcoholic Anonymous my first time. I have to hit on Ron Ray. He was my first sponsor um, back in 92. Of course, uh, we know I didn't stay. I stayed for five years. I did a four step. I did every shameful thing. On my uh, four step was everything I did shameful. But you know what? It opened the path. And uh, uh, right around my five-year token, I've got this, you know. And uh, Mr. Wonderful come in my life. I stayed out of relationships for five years, and here comes Mr. Wonderful. Um, He's a drinker now, okay? He don't hang out in bars, but uh, uh, anyway, he's a drinker. And I can do this, and I was advised by Ron Ray. Practically begged me and all my recovery friends, You can't do this. Well, now I'm going to show you I can do this. You just don't understand. I've got five years sobriety, y'all. I've got God in my life. He's going to protect me. But what I failed to do was enlarge that spiritual condition. I shut it all off. And uh, it wasn't very long till he didn't want to be around me. Uh, you know, the same old stuff, the sanities repeated over and over till we do different. And um, it, I don't understand people that walk back in here with a one-night relapse or a week. It took me 11 years to get back here. And, uh, but what it did for my ego, uh, and I'm really not ashamed to say it, but I found other substances. And my first time here, um, I'd only had a prescription or alcohol. And uh so I got to find some of this man made stuff that drove me totally insane and uh created a lot more havoc in my life. And then uh a great man come into my life and I started out working with him. And uh, um we built a relationship. We'd been together uh about seven or eight years when I walked in Alcoholic Anonymous. And um, he held on to me for a long time. I was drinking through that period and doing other substances. And uh, something happened that I seen that real discouraged look on his face. And uh, this time I ordered myself to Alcoholic Anonymous. And uh, court ordered myself. I knew 90 meets, 90 days, get a sponsor, do this, do this. Um, and anyway, that's when, um, as uh, Rink talked about um, uh, your sponsor, Jerry Jerry H. How can I forget his name? He was always in the Brown Baggers meeting, and uh, you know he said it starts with prayer and ends with prayer. So I had no clue that I could not come till I had to be there for prayer. I probably would have, and uh, and I didn't. And he would send me up to chair meetings. And uh, um, after doing this for a while, I became a part of something so big, and I felt I was at home. And I started. Uh, getting a sponsor, using the sponsor, working the steps. So fast forward uh, to emotional sobriety. Um, the first two year, for, uh, two years of my sobriety in the Brown Baggers, I am a crybaby now. Rink says he don't cry. I cry enough for both of us. <laughs> I'm in the Brown Baggers, and I'm bawling. I'm just crying, bawling. I have fallen in love with this man. At that point, I think I'd been with him about 10 years. So... As I inventory that, it was security. Uh, he was working me, and you know I had a roof over my head, yada yadi um, so i 'd fallen in love, so I got real out of balance. you know the physical part of my disease uh, you know, I knew I was powerless over it, and I didn't want to put it in me and uh, all that stuff. But this took me to a new level of life when it comes to uh, actually being in love and, and wanting to be kind and good to that person and think of that person maybe as much as me. And that's difficult for self-centered people, Right. So that inability, you know, that inability, the book talks about to have a true partnership with another human being, it was real frightening, real emotional, real scary, and uh, it kind of it tipped the card a little bit. Um, so moving on forward, um, at a, I'm in the steps really good. I'm working the step. step I mean, pretty good, I guess, and working the steps with a lot of sponsees. Um, when, when Ralph got up one night and fell, uh, I remember thinking at the hospital when I called the ambulance to get him to the hospital. It's a normal night. He gets up and he falls, and we go to the hospital. And uh, I remember sitting in there thinking, you know, man, I've been on this 10-step like prior six months before this incident happened. And I'm thinking, you know, man, the steps, this is what they mean when the steps work you. You know, I was capable to do all the phone calls and all the stuff that occurred and handling it like a boss and knowing that, you know, I was so fearful. And uh, I remember using that third step prayer, you know, uh, God, just please. You know, I gave my candy list or my Christmas list again. I didn't want any broken bones, didn't want this, didn't want that. And... uh, None of that occurred. <clears throat> but what happened was um, three days later, they come and tell me he's diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And um, anyway, we get we get get him home, and uh, you know I get him set up with all the doctors and all the stuff that we're supposed to do my emotions are on blink again, uh, you know, I'm totally powerless, but that's as far as my life can get. Um, you know, and I'm ecstatic, crazy and what have you. But anyway, um, moving forward, um, um, the beauty of this was, um, uh, I started back in some Al-Anon meetings and you all started helping my soul and helping me be a little stronger and doing the next right things. And, uh, so um, on June the 25th of last year, he passes. And for a person that is so terrified and so fully in love, so fully li- living the dream that every woman wants to live, you know, I get to hold this man to his very last breath. I get to take all of his um, vitals before I call hospice for them to come and pick up the body. Um, so through that, it rocked my world again. And what I had to discover, and it's been a lot, a lot, a lot of work. It's been some al not enough, but I have to stay sober first. Uh, I remember uh, at the casket saying, how am I going to learn to live without you? Um, and then uh, one person, not that I didn't like her, but... Uh, uh, She said these real harsh, aggressive things all the time in meetings, and evidently it was stemming some of them within me, and uh, I probably didn't want to hear it. No matter who loves you, leaves you, or dies, you don't have to drink. And uh, the journey began that I could learn to start living without him with the help of all y'all and uh so I got to see the unmanageability, and basically it was all the lack of me still wishing to have my candy list fulfilled my Christmas lists. I didn't want to give him up. you know today I know he's in a much better place, and uh uh it, it's such it's so beautiful that uh recovery gives us that ability to allow somebody to not sit here and suffer because he'd quit walking and was in diapers and in bed who would want to live that way. And uh so he gives me signals and signs and stuff, so I looked at the unmanageability of me trying going back. you know, I'm kind of through the physical part of our disease, and i'm now I'm in the emotional state of mind and uh you know, and I have to learn to be sane and and help others and do the next right thing, and all the stuff that we're taught in here, uh, through all the tears, through all the feelings, no matter what happens and um so you know, I've got to share my experience with other. One man and, and a few other women that's went through the same losses as we all go through them. And, you know, the thing that hurt me the most, uh, it was like eight or nine months after his, the loss of him, was the fact that giving up my best friend, King Alcohol, was a little bit more excruciating than giving up the man I loved because I no longer had that to fall back on because when I put one in me it numbed everything and I did not have to feel the world I did not have to feel the feelings so I understand why they say when we start drinking uh I was about 14 or 15 and uh uh, did not grow up uh lived totally 100 percent in self-will and um here not long ago in Eleanor well as I'm saying about the young lady though uh she's back in the program and back sober I had to walk away from her and uh and I learned some true powerlessness at that point in my life because I could not keep her sober and that was a great experience uh I don't know why it hit me a while back but it did then I had a son you all um come to me and uh He told me one night, he says, Mom, you're repulsing me. I'm trying to, now I'm controlling him after Ralph's death. I'm controlling him. He's my second best man in my life, and I have a grandson, two grandsons, but, so he's my next victim I'm going to, okay? So I have to get back in Al-Anon, and you all, you all's words is no matter who, who uh, hurt people hurt people. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's what my son is trying to tell me. And these harsh words take sometimes them harsh words to get me to hear. And uh, I don't have a sponsor there. Uh, I don't have a sobriety date there, but I'm going to continue coming. But uh, what awakening to go back with my sponsor and look at my powerlessness, trying to get once again thinking I'm doing a little something with a little bit of sobriety now. And um um, I have to refill the powerlessness, the unmanageability. I get to see the insanity in, in me making the decisions and me. Look here, I got a security system on my house, y'all, and I'd set it at night and lock him in. Mm, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He couldn't get out the door, the alarms go oh, because the police, you know? and uh, Oh, man. Man, uh, well, I didn't get it for him, but I, I used it for him the most. <laughs> I put it that away, <laughs> and so um, I get to on a day-to-day basis take that third step and turn my son over to the care of God as I understand Him, and try to do the best I can. And you know what's happened here, Alanon? Hear me, please, because what a relief! I don't buy cigarettes. I don't pay rent. I don't buy new clothes. I don't have to keep him looking good so you all love his mama <laughs> and I did all of that you know um, I will of course feed him anytime but uh, uh, and it's it's changed our relationship but you know emotionally today I know that God had to get me to my place to where I would surrender and where I would turn my will and life over to you know um, an individual had to do first and start reading the book, start learning to practice the steps. And I know that God lives within me. He's My, my saying all the time is, butt at home all alone, I know God's there, okay? <laughs> and that is a beautiful place for me to be. Uh, uh, I know he's always with me no matter what. He's even with me when I act ugly, and I still do that. I still have to go make those amends. Uh, I, you know, I still get angry. The good news is it's not quite as often. I do know how to make amends. My friends teach me, you know. Uh, and, yeah, eating warm crow is a lot easier. For ha- uh, probably up to ten years of my sobriety, I always a- ate it cold. <laughs> but uh, it beca- it's a lot easier and a lot more healthier for me to eat it warm. Um, so it's just a journey. And... Uh, If you got here like I did, hopeless and helpless, and uh, not able to make good decisions, you know, uh, uh, just reach out, because the hands of AA is always there. And I now know personally, in my experience, the hands of Al-Anon are always there, and I need both, and uh, I'm appreciative for both. And you are beginning to make me a better woman because of your Al-Anon experiences, and for that I'm eternally grateful. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and pass it on. My story is kind of still real raw and painful, but I'm getting through it, and it's, it's okay. So I'm going to go ahead and pass it on uh, to our next speaker. Thank you all. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you oh. Just kidding. We're out of time. <laughs> Uh, I do want to thank Mickey for being willing to step up here at the very last minute. We had somebody back out. Can I